0: Leaders dust off the ashes and use their failures as fuel to work harder and as lessons to come back wiser and stronger, more resilient, more determined, and more committed to excellence. Today, I'm speaking with Ramon Newman. He is the co founder and CEO of New Mavericks, which is a global leadership development consultancy based in Los Angeles, Melbourne, and Sydney. So Ramon is in Los Angeles, and his partner uh, manages uh, Melbourne and Sydney. He has worked with over 50 top CEOs and executives of billion-dollar revenue companies for more than 20 years, providing them with techniques to achieve high leadership capacity averting problems and seizing growth opportunities. Ramon is also the uh, co-author to a new book, The Science of Protection, How Leaders Gain an Unfair Advantage to Create Stellar Success. So we're gonna talk a little bit about the book and we're gonna talk about some of the methods that uh, Ramon uses to help train uh, and develop these high level leaders. Thank you very much for, for allowing me this opportunity, Ramon. I've been looking forward to talking with you uh, ever since we connected. Yeah, likewise, Dave.
1: Uh, I love what you're up to and uh, your message of of being humble or, or get humbled. is a fantastic one. And just, you know, being able to inspire people to take their life to it or their leadership from wherever they are. It could be in the embers, it's, as you like to call this podcast, embers into that excellence. I think it's a fantastic analogy because you know we all go through the ups and downs of life and the world goes through that and we have to be able to continue to you know overcome that and strive for that excellence so i'm honored to be on the podcast and share what i know
0: let's kind of talk a little bit about your path and your own personal development um before we started recording you told me that you were born in new zealand and yes Uh, Did you spend most of your life there before moving to Los Angeles?
1: Yeah, first 20 years of life was uh, in New Zealand, and I grew up a typical New Zealand kid playing a lot of uh, sport and being outside. New Zealand's a fantastic place to to grow up and uh, really develop your physical prowess. So I was very much into uh, rugby. It's a national game, played that for 10 years, and then also was a runner, ran cross country, run track. And uh, did that for ten years, and really, I in my later ten years, I was focusing on the the running side of things. I was more kind of an, an apt to that, my physiology, and really got into it, and uh, got to the point where I kind of was going for the uh, World Junior Qualifying Championships. Like my purpose was to go from being a you know top three nationally ranked uh, national athlete to being an international athlete, and, and stepping onto the world stage was through these uh, World Junior Championships and had an Olympic gold medal winning coach. He said, if you keep up with what you're doing, there's no reason why you can't go to the Olympics. And when someone like that gives you that sort of edification, you go, OK, I'm all in. I'm going to give this all my my best shot. And uh, he said, you, you know, just keep up your progress, keep up your training and stay healthy. And I kept up my progress. I kept up my training, but wasn't able to stay healthy. And basically, long story short, I ended up missing the World Junior qualifying time by a couple of seconds in the 1500 meters and got very sick, basically burnt out uh, for six months, you know, I had a lot of respiratory problems, a lot of digestive problems, kept me up no, most nights for about six months, felt like I was an insomniac, going into that kind of depressed state, you know, I've, I've lost my sole purpose in life at, at that time, and really kind of just spiraled downwards into those embers, as you say, and really had to kind of look at myself and go, okay, what am I missing here, you know, there's something that you know, I can take all the action I want and put all the training and physical effort, but if you burn out and you and you crash and burn, then you're actually not doing something right. You haven't got the full equation. So that kind of woke me up to, to realizing I need to go deeper, get some deeper knowledge, uh, develop my mind uh, at a deeper level. So I'm more in tune with myself to not damage myself in the process of achieving. And, you know, out of that evolved uh, becoming a monk, uh, I actually flipped the whole switch. I learned TM, Transcendental Meditation, soon after I, I was burning out uh, as a way to kind of recover and get rid of some of the lot of fatigue and stress that I built up in my body. I, I built up a lot of lactic acid in my body because I was training so hard to the point where I was like, I could feel the lumps of lactic acid in my uh, thigh muscles, hamstrings. And so I had to really work out you know how to recover properly. Um, and I realized recovery and rest is just as important, if not more important than the actual activity of, of things you're doing to pursue something and achieve something. And so I had this great experience when I first uh, learned to meditate. I learned TM, Translating Meditation. And uh, I realized, oh, wow, there's so much more power and energy at the deeper levels of the mind that I wasn't tapping into. I was so much based on you know my physical energy um, that if I'd just been able to tap into that more, I probably could have averted burning out. So I really got into that meditation experience. And, you know, going from 20, meditating 20 minutes twice a day to the at the age of 25, I decided I want to do this full time. And uh, found a place in North Carolina where you could meditate uh, eight hours a day, seven days a week. I committed to doing that for one year. And uh, after one year, it was, it was like an amazing experience that I just got to really go deep into myself and really get into that value of consciousness that we all fundamentally are. And after one year, I said, oh, this is so great. I'm enjoying this lifestyle. Let me do another year. And then two years evolved into three, into four. I spent actually 10 years in that environment, that monastic environment. And out of that is actually where we started our consultancy. My business partner was also in the same uh, mold he was actually a, a bodybuilder competitive bodybuilder he had a nutrition company a security company a, a ticket uh, entertainment ticket selling business company in australia and he decided that you know that wasn't fulfilling him and he really wanted to have that fulfillment and fulfillment You know, as we've realized now is not something you really achieve it's something you experience in yourself and so he actually ended up being a, a full-time entertainment for 15 years uh, six of those years up in the Himalayas, but we connected in North Carolina, and we actually supported ourselves in that lifestyle by literally being silent partners to business leaders. So we'd meditate eight hours a day, and in the afternoons we had free time. We'd get on the phone, talk with some of the business leaders we were connected to, and literally give them, you know, that that depth of understanding about how to settle their mind, how to be more coherent within themselves, how to see the greater possibilities, how to see the deeper truth, and and really how to protect themselves. Uh, and their business as they they keep growing it. So that's that's a nutshell of how I got here today and been doing this you know, with business leaders for the last uh, thirteen years, fourteen years uh, full time. And we've seen some great successes. Helped a company go from a CEO take this company from one billion to seven billion in the space of seven years. And uh, it's it's been a great experience seeing you know some of these CEOs. You know, come up against their challenges, not getting support for what they want, and then being able to, you know, create that clarity within them, that coherence within them, uh, to be able to break through and, and make things happen.
0: You covered a lot of the questions that I that I had. Um one of the things that you didn't talk about was that you're a Meisner trained actor.
1: Yes, yes. So that that came after the monk. Phase. So, you know, I got to 10 years as a full time meditating monk, and I go, Oh, wow, this feels great. I've I've developed a lot of myself from the inside out. Uh, I feel more self aware. I feel like I have more self knowledge of who I am and how I'm meant to serve in this world. And, you know, anyone can be kind of a quote unquote enlightened in a a cave, so to speak. Uh, It's when you get into the marketplace and, you know, you, you have to put yourselves through the rigors of what the marketplace offers, do you realize how developed you actually are? So what came to me is like, I need the opposite contrast to this to see where I'm at in my development. So I decided to go to New York City and do an acting program, a uh, summer program for six weeks. And New York City, obviously, most dynamic you know, marketplace in the world, uh, complete opposite to, to being inward in a monastic environment. And did this acting program mainly for my own self-development to reintegrate to the world because I was so used to being a monk and just connecting to self. And so, with acting, you know, anyone who's been around the acting world knows that great acting is simply great connecting, being able to connect with somebody else that you're working with in a, in a scene or what have you. And so, that experience kind of got me out of myself again, integrating with other people, understanding that dynamic of, of relating. And, and then, I, after six weeks of that acting program, I go, wow, this is great. I want to, want to do more of this. I'm one of those personalities that, like, once you get my, my teeth into something, you know, I just want to take it to the, to the nth degree. So I spent another couple of years in New York city, you know, doing acting training and performing and just really integrating back into the world. And then my business partner, he actually came out of the Himalayas uh, about the same time, 2007. And he called me up and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm here in New York city, just kind of getting back into the world, you know, doing this acting training he said, well, how are you going to make money? I said, well, I hadn't thought about that. I'm just enjoying this, this acting experience at the moment. So uh, he said to me, well, why don't we just continue what we started in, in, as monks, you know, just being silent partners to business leaders and really supporting them on that in the development. And it actually made a lot of sense at the time because, as you might remember, 2007, 2008 was when the GFC was kicking in. The global financial crisis, things were starting to melt down. You could feel the stress in the city, you know, people with a lot of uncertainty going on. And I realized, I go, hang on, these, these are very smart, intelligent business leaders. How come they have caused a financial calamity for themselves, their businesses and the world? And I go, oh, they had the same problem that I did as a competitive athlete. They're so focused on the outer development and, and accomplishing on the outside and just doing whatever it took to, to make things happen, not realizing that they may be, re- making decisions from a place that's probably not the best place. You know, that greed reflex, the vices may be kicking in into their life and making make decisions that are not going to serve them long-term. So I guess I kind of realized, well, that's where I can really help. I, I've been through this in a development program, uh, being a full-time meditating monk, and, and that's what they need. Leaders need to be more coherent. They need to be able to make the right decisions and have the right thoughts at the right time. And so my business partner just basically, you know, started to get connected to CEOs uh, in the US, in Australia and New Zealand, and just really helping them on that in a development level so that they have a greater sense of stability within themselves to really be in tune with what's evolutionary, not just what makes them achieve something, but then causes a crash and burn afterwards.
0: Now, one of the things that I read about you, uh, it says, Ramone inspires courageous leaders on how to have indomitable self-awareness, energy, clarity, belief and creativity through timely individualized out of the box insights. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and yeah. and what that means?
1: Sure, absolutely so it's not just insights that that we can give them it's insights that they get for themselves and that's ultimately the power that everybody wants they want that right insight at the right time so where does that come from well does it come from the conscious mind just to some degree but the conscious mind tends to be on the surface the conscious mind is what we use to logically do things you know take care of things on a a very hands-on level and then we have this aspect of our mind that we call everyone calls the subconscious So the subconscious is where, you know, our our deeper fears and oppressions and dreams and aspirations and conditionings exist below the surface. And so that's, and that subconscious is actually more powerful than the subconscious mind. You know, so whatever we're thinking on a subconscious level is actually having a big effect on our own physiology and our own biochemistry, but it's also having an effect on the environment because we all pick up on where people are at. You know, when we walk into a room, we go, oh, that person's pretty happy. That person, you know, he seems a little bit anxious, you know, and that's just what you you can pick up what's going on subconsciously based on the body language that's getting projected from an individual. So, but that those conscious and subconscious mind, they're still not really the, the deepest source of where great insights come from. And so we take the analogy of an iceberg. We can say that one quarter of that iceberg is above the water. That's the conscious mind. And then three quarters of that iceberg that supports the conscious value of the iceberg to to be above the water is under the water. Right. And then what supports the iceberg under the water? Well, it's the ocean. Right. And so what do we call that ocean? Well, We call that ocean consciousness. So our mind, our body, our intellect, our ego, they're ultimately all limited, but they have, a source that is unlimited. And that unlimited source is consciousness. So as you're able to allow the mind to settle down to quieter, more settled levels of thinking, then it starts to feel or experience and wake up to that field of consciousness. Now, what is consciousness? Well, consciousness is that which is awake to itself, right? So you and I, we eat food, you know, we do certain things, but we don't fully know what intelligence take care of that digestive food. We just put it in our mouth and then we let this intelligence in our body take over of processing that and organizing that. Now to the degree to which we can do that is dependent on how well our body is connected to that subtle field of intelligence, right? That consciousness. We don't perceive anything without having some sort of awareness, some sort of consciousness, right? We have a sleep consciousness when we're asleep, which is actually the experience of no experience. Then we have a dreaming consciousness where we have these illusory images that sh- you know show up in our field as we're sleeping. And then we have a waking state. So we're awake to what's going on through our senses. But then there's other states of consciousness. There's higher states of consciousness where we're able to more be established in that value of being witnessing, of being awake to what's going on inside of ourselves, what's going on externally, And then how to connect those two together. And this is what happens when a brain is functioning to its full potential. So when one is developing their full potential, what happens is that there's more of this, what they call global alpha coherence in the brain functioning. So research is showing that world-class athletes, business leaders, and musicians, when they're performing at their best, they're making their best decisions, they have a unique style of brain functioning and it's this alpha coherence in the brain and what this means in layman's terms is that the brain is very alert and very coherent it's able to see the bigger picture it's able to see the finer details to fulfill that bigger picture and it's in tune with what has to happen in the moment right so some people call it the zone the zen state uh we in our work we call it the leadership state and so the leadership state is where you're able to have uh, the right thought at the right time you're able to pick up on these impulses that come to our amygdala so our amygdala is always picking up on impulses from our ourselves from our environment and it keeps us on that alert a so it's a safety mechanism in the brain now a lot of people will say the function of the amygdala is fight flight or freeze and that's true but that's actually the lowest functioning of the amygdala the highest functioning of the amygdala is vigilance and diligence So that happens when this amygdala is in coherence with this prefrontal cortex. So the prefrontal cortex is what distinguishes us from other animals is that this front 30%, 40% of the brain which gives us the ability to look at things strategically and from an evolutionary standpoint. So CEOs have a, a very strong, a lot of connectivity in their prefrontal cortex. So they're able to make, you know, broad reaching decisions that, you know, uh, ultimately good for, for everybody. But if they're not, if they're stressed, they're tired, they're fatigued, they're angry, they're anxious, this prefrontal cortex closes down, and they start to make impulsive decisions. So when there's a coherence between the prefrontal cortex and our amygdala, then there's a proper interpretation of impulses that are coming to us and we're able to you know, really be in tune with what is the right thing for right now. And so that's what a leader's, leader's brain is. And I'm sure from your experience, Dave, you know, being through the leadership experiences you have, you know when you're in that state. It doesn't matter what's going on externally. If you're on that calm, settled, coherent, alert state, you know what to do spontaneously. And in our book, you know, The Science of Protection, we talk about one of the components in the science of protection is spontaneous right action. And that spontaneous right action comes when you've developed the capacity, the capacity to handle yourself, to handle situations from a level of coherence and coherence. Another way to say what coherence is, it's it's orderliness, but it's also truthfulness. You know, truth always triumphs in the end. Sometimes untruth or non-truth will look like it's winning, but we all know in the end, truth always triumphs. The truth always comes out. And that truth that we want to be in tune with comes from having a very coherent, orderly, uh, global alpha functioning brain. And that happens when we're able to kind of purify uh, our stresses, our vices, our impressions of the past, our conditionings of the past that were maybe not as developed as they are now. When you've purified stresses and you've, you've become more awake, your brain has more connectivity across all hemispheres of the brain. So... But that's what we you know that's where protection comes in this is where leaders the highest value as we know ultimately of, of any leader their primary duty is to protect those that they lead right and they can only do that when they they have a, a level of coherence so that they're able to protect themselves from negativity and stresses and incoherences so that they can really make decisions that is evolutionary for everybody that they're they're leading
0: how do you coach these leaders that you work with, um, on, on developing? Because it, it sounds like probably what you do is possibly teach them how to meditate.
1: Sure. That's, that's one aspect for sure. So, so there's, there's two approaches to that. There's the intellectual understanding side of things, and then there's the actual direct experience. So, Only you and ourselves can give ourselves the experience, right? I can't give you the experience. You have to have the experience for yourself. So we give them the experience. We give them the tools and the techniques to allow them to experience their brain functioning from a more settled, alert, coherent state. So TM is one example of that. It's a very simple effortless mental technique that allows the mind to transcend the conscious mind. Uh, transcend even the subconscious mind and get to that field of pure awareness, pure wakefulness, pure consciousness, that pure intelligence that's basically functioning behind the scenes of everything that makes our heart beat without us having to tell it, it makes our our skin reproduce and our hair grow um, without us having to to be involved in that process. So we get them to transcend. Um, just about every major celebrity can think of. Um, top business leaders like Ray Dalio have been doing TM. For like 40 years, he says it's his number one tool for the success that he's had in building the biggest, most successful hedge fund in the world. And it's a very, very, very simple, natural, powerful technique to activate uh, right from the first experience, more of that alpha coherence in the brain. So that's one thing. The second thing is uh, we also have a supplement that we give them uh, that has specifically two minerals called uh, gold and pearl. So gold and pearl have a high high level of connectivity uh, and they increase the strength of the neurons and the nervous system and the mind. Very very powerful minerals. And there's a supplement that has other Ayurvedic herbs, uh, good things like that, that we have them encourage them to take, uh, which really strengthens their physiology from that level, from that nutritional level. And then we have another technology that's more of a sound technology uh, that I won't go into, but it's uh, a technology that kind of enlivens more of that right frequency, you know, having that right energy, uh, and that their environment is, is really picking up um, and supporting what their intentions are, because every great leader has a vision, doesn't mean that vision gets supported by their environment, and the reason why it doesn't get supported by their environment, it is either because it's not finely attuned, or it's not quite the right vision, so people don't get it, or they're actually not owning that vision, and fully and clearly enough in themselves. So an example of this is our top client uh, for 10 years. He's now retired. First year that we work with him, he was inducted into the New Zealand Business Hall of Fame. I had the best year of his life. The company grew over a billion dollars in revenue and it was great. And then he said to us, he said, guys, I want to have a break. And we said, oh, that's interesting. What do you want to have a break? You just had the best year of your life uh, and your career. He said, well, I would just want to see whether it's, it's just me that's creating this new success and this new way of achieving or is it, is it us working together? And we said, fine, that's very practical. You're a very practical leader. Um, let's have a break. So we left him with one question. We said, you have to work out why you won this award. And this kind of comes back to your being humble or get humbled. So we had a break for about five months. My business partner, Paulo, D'Angelo, calls him back and says, Mark, how's it going? And he goes... It's not going great, and I don't know why. The deals aren't working. Nothing's really clicking for me, uh, and I'm really frustrated. And so Paul asked him, well, have you answered that question that we left you with? He said, no, I haven't even really thought about it. So we went deep on discussing this, and he couldn't work it out still. And He asked us, like, why five times. And finally, we said, okay, well, we'll tell you. When you win an award like this, it's no longer just about you and your achievement. It's about you having a higher purpose, developing yourself to another level and helping other people do the same. And he kind of breathed a sigh of relief and said, that makes a lot of sense. Um, can we keep working together? So we kept working together. Our company got to a level was $3 billion. He saw a bit, had a vision that the company could you know, really stabilize itself in the territory that they're operating in, in Southeast Asia uh, by creating a reverse merger acquisition. So his better performing smaller company acquiring a bigger, less performing company. And so he went to his major shareholders and said, hey, uh, this is this is what we have to do. I just see this as the next thing that we have to do. <clears throat> and so the major shareholders heard it and then said, no, we don't wanna do this. It's gonna ruin the stock price. It's gonna ruin the uh, performance of the company. It's gonna ruin the culture of the company. And no, we don't wanna do it. So he didn't get support <clears throat> from his environment, the people in it that he needed to. So he comes back to us and says, guys, I know we have to do this, but I'm not getting support to do it. What do we do? And we said, well, you can continue to intellectually try and convince these people that this is the right thing to do, or we can just work on you really deeply, fully owning this reality inside yourself first, and then let's go back to them after that. So he said, okay, let's work on me really owning this. And, and this is sometimes the case. It's like you can have an inkling for a vision, but you don't really fully own it. And in order for something to really be seen on the outside, you have to really fully see it on the inside first. This is where we first create it. We create it from that level of consciousness. Everything comes from consciousness. But if we're, if we're not really connected to the, the, the pure source of that insight, then sometimes it doesn't have enough energy to get projected you know, through ourselves into our environment for other people to get it. So we did that for three, four weeks, really deep with them on it. And then I uh, said, okay, go and ask them now. And he did, gave, gave the talk to him. <clears throat> was coming from a deeper, more emotive place in himself about why this was so important to do. Every one of these major shareholders then went, oh, we get it. But they were saying, they're not we're getting his idea, they were getting him. They get that he owned this reality and that he was going to create that. They could believe in him because he believed so much in it. And so he went, uh, he overcome that obstacle. Next obstacle was making the deal work, long hours, tight timeframes, many multiple no-go hurdles, many possibilities for stress. And he said, despite all that, he felt like he was very calm and relaxed. He felt like he was the eye of the storm. And that's ultimately how every great leader should be functioning. You know, they're, they're dealing with all these challenges, but they should still always be the eye of the storm. And the only way to be the eye of the storm is to allow your mind to be in that settled coherent state and that leadership state. And so the deal fell into place, and the company has evolved since. Um, Then it's gone on to being like a $10 billion company. um, Its stock price, and the time that we've worked with them over the last, what, 12 years now, has gone from like $5 to over $35, heading towards $40. And it's been been a, a great ride of success. And it's because these leaders have embraced their own development. And the more they're able to develop their awareness, the more they're able to see things, the more they're able to allow other people to see things through what their vision is and then greater things unfold.
0: You talking about this really gave me chills. The The analogy of being the eye of the storm um, is a, a really powerful analogy because uh, that that's essentially when it is chaos and destruction around you being that, that point of relief and refuge is yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. And and this is, uh, this is really powerful because that, that turbulence and that chaos that can go on in business and in life in general, it's, it's always going to be there. It's just, it's a part of life, but the thing to know about it is that incoherence and chaos, even though it projects itself to be strong, inherently it's weak. And so when someone comes along who's very grounded and coherent in themselves, then that negativity, even though it's always there, it won't touch them. It won't be affected by it. You know, you know, you know the coherence is so strong that it, it just keeps coherence at bay, you know. And coherent or incoherence and chaos and negativity serves its purpose in life when we're off track, when we're not being coherent. And then negativity comes in and kind of gives us a little, you know, slap or something like that, <clears throat> not to punish us, but to teach us, to teach us to come back to being coherent. And then we can move forward you know, in a, a protected way.
0: In, in your book, well, I, I've got a couple of things written down here, and I believe it's right out of your book, but I, I can't be for sure uh, because I haven't read your book yet. Uh, I'll, be, I'll,
1: be, I'll be sending you a free copy, Dave, no, no problem at all.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, how to avert problems and predict opportunities based on your leadership behavior?
1: Avert, avert. Okay, so the goal is ultimately for every leader is to avert the danger, the threat, the problem before it arises, right? Because we all know it, it It takes more energy, more time to, to fix a problem or a, a mistake than it does to you know be awake to averting it as much as possible. So that's again a, a function of this this brain functioning where the impulses come to you. You know they, they when you're settled and alert and coherent and you don't you're not fatigued and tired and stressed, then naturally your mind your consciousness is is going to inform you about something. You know and a lot of people will like you know say that I have good good intuition. But it's no good having good intuition if you don't act on it sometimes we'll see things we'll know things but somehow we'll just like ah, oh, no it's maybe and this could be for something negative or something an opportunity um we could say oh i see this opportunity to do this and i see it i see it but you don't fully own it or act on it or trust it or believe in it you know and this is where this development comes in you know the great leaders they'll see something and they won't have any kind of external evidence to justify why they should go that way, but they'll still they'll just follow it because they know it's the right thing to do at that time. I mean, Jeff Bezos, I don't know if you know the story about you know Amazon Prime, but basically that idea came up and initially the response, because they have a whole process there at Amazon about vetting ideas, was not to do it. It's not. It's not going to make sense. It's not going to work out to be economically viable and stuff like that. But Bezos just trusted. He said, "No, I think. I think we have to do this. I think we have to structure our business this way." And we all know, you know, Amazon Prime's an amazing service now. So sometimes, you know, the external evidence isn't there, and you're trying to justify it through your intellect and logic. But um, it's really about knowing it from the inside first, and then you know, seeing how it can work on the outside. But trying to get, trying to like assess everything externally and then, you know, trying to match what you what you think from there, it can be a more difficult process, you know, because ultimately what's creating the market? People are creating the market. What's creating people? What's their creativity? It's their clarity. It's their intelligence, you know? So, you know, we're all in the business of either helping each other fulfill our needs, wants, or desires, or dissolve our frustrations, our pains, and our fears, right? And so the more that we're able to develop our consciousness and our our intelligence, then the more we're awake to to do that in a very efficient way. We can connect the dots a lot lot easier. And the research has shown that high-level managers actually have more connectivity in their brain, like different parts of their brain are working together and communicating together um, a lot more than, say, a lower-level manager that doesn't have that full connectivity. So there's a very good reason why certain leaders are in the positions they are, because somehow they have that organizing power that they've developed through their own personal experience in life or whatever things they're doing to develop their their mind and their awareness um, that allows them to be in that position to handle that responsibility um, and be able to see things that other people can't.
0: Let's talk about the the title of your books, The, the Science of Protection. Yes. I, I feel like maybe there's somewhat of a, a connection to the amygdala and the prefrontal yes. cortex yes. and that and that title. Um, yes. Can, yes. Can we dig in a little bit to that?
1: Absolutely. So just, just so you know how the science of protection actually came about, my business partner, Paul, I was on his stationary bike and he was listening to Tony Robbins talk about the science of achievement which I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, which is basically, you know, focus plus massive action plus grace. And that's, you know, and fundamentally, that's how achievement happens. That's that's the science of achievement. The only problem with that is people can achieve and then they can suffer in the process or they can cause suffering for others in the process or they can achieve and they can lose that achievement. So, Paul, I realized, well, there needs to be a deeper foundation to the science of achievement. And this is where we thought, well, this is this inner development. Science of achievement is really much an outer development process. Uh, Science of protection is very much an inner development process. So, we're positioning the science of protection as the foundation to the science of achievement. Because negativity, even though it's inherently weak, it's extremely powerful. So we know that, you know, buildings can be dropped in one day, right? And, but it takes years to build them, right? So it takes, takes a lot of time to build up, you know, good, positive, you know, sustainable progress and, and things like that. But if you allow negativity to either build up in yourself or in your environment, so it affects you, then that, that can be crushed in literally a day or two. You know, we've seen that with the global financial crisis. We've seen that with 9-11. You know, negativity can be extremely powerful, even though it's extremely weak at the same time. So we have to be able to protect ourselves. And we really protect ourselves by, through our behavior, you know, how we're behaving with ourselves, uh, with others, you know, that ensures that we're always generating that positive threshold of energy that allows our desires to get fulfilled right? How do desires get fulfilled? We don't really know, but we know that if we're in a good energy state. We're putting out good energy like you are Dave through your podcast, you know, somehow nature just rewards you and supports you and and gives you that protection because you are nourishing life. You're giving value to life and, and you're protecting life from that level of of awareness and knowledge, you know? And so ultimately knowledge is structured and consciousness. So the more we develop our consciousness, our container from which we can, Develop knowledge from within, or perceive knowledge from outside of ourselves, and integrate it into ourselves. Then the more we're able to take, you know, the spontaneous right action, and the more we're able to take this spontaneous right action, then the more we have what we call deserving power. So often when we hear, you know, a team win a great championship, or an individual win a great championship, or something like that, or a company achieve something great, we say we end up saying, well, they deserved it. Right? Well, why did they deserve it? Well, they took spont- more spontaneous right action than, than other other people, right? And why did they take more spontaneous right action? Well, because they were just really coherent. They were in tune with with what was good for themselves, what was good for their environment, and they had this this good merit, you know, that allowed their desires to get fulfilled. So, so this is the the protection value, you know, and protection ultimately, <clears throat> it's a it's a universal force of intelligence that creates maintains and dissolves based on what is good for the whole, the whole of you, the whole of your life, the whole of the people that you serve, the whole of the world, so that we can continue to survive and thrive and, and continue to evolve you know, to, to great levels of fulfillment. And, and this is the one thing that what differs the science of protection from the science of achievement is that the science of achievement is based on achievement <clears throat> and that you know, the theory is through achievement, you gain fulfillment, and that's true from an outer point of view. Yeah, you achieve something, you feel some sense of outer fulfillment. How long that'll last? Who knows. But ultimately we want that inner fulfillment as well at the same time. So the science of protection is really uh, based on that fulfillment is the goal, not achievement. Achievement comes and goes. We achieve things, and then then we have to achieve another thing and, and it just comes and goes. And it may or may may not bring you fulfillment. It it can bring you some outer fulfillment, but not really true contentment, true fulfillment. True fulfillment, true contentment. What is that? Mind is settled. Mind is at peace. Mind is happy. Heart is content. Heart is full. Heart is flowing. That's, That's inner fulfillment. So when we work with our CEOs, we say, hey, if you just want to continue to achieve, then don't work with us. But if you want it to be fulfilled, which is the ultimate goal, and then allow your achievement to be a byproduct of your fulfillment and who you are and what you represent and your purpose and and what you do, then, you know, we're the the guys to work with. And we can ensure that, you know, your achievement will be protected and you can achieve as much as you want for as long as you want, as long as you're coming from this place of fulfillment, which is a very coherent leadership state to be in.
0: What you just said is (laughs) so profound. And I want to i I actually just wrote a chapter for this anthology, and I talk about essentially what you just said mm-hmm. in different terms, but you know, as in trying to find our purpose, and uh, a lot of the philosophy that that I've kind of, taking lessons from and stoic philosophy, some some Eastern philosophy, but great there's there's the these universal truths and the, the main one that I feel just is is threaded through everything is what brings us fulfillment and and it's the realization that we're all here to add value to those around us yes
1: absolutely 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 and so the the more that we're full in ourselves and and fully awake and we feel clarity we feel creativity we feel good energy the more value we can give to the world right and the more value we can give to the world the more likely the world is to give value back to us if we're we have to also be open to that as well Now, some people are really good at giving but they're not really good at being open to receiving also Fulfillment <clears throat> comes from you being fulfilled first, right? Because then you can give maximum, and everyone receives maximum when everyone's giving maximum, right? So we should always meet from the level of like, how can I give maximum to this experience, to this person, to this company? And then by giving maximum, then you're more likely to receive maximum also. So that that's really the abundance mindset that you know we're all culturing, and, and you're obviously doing through your podcast.
0: When did your book release? When was the...
1: Uh, it came out, I think, about August 2020. Uh, we thought it was kind of a, an interesting time to bring the book out because obviously the pandemic was in its full uh, threshold and protection has become super important. And I just like to distinguish between the protection that you know we're, we're getting from, from governments versus the protection that comes from within. And, you know, external protection is important, but we have to know that it's superficial, right? Because protection from the external is usually after the fact. You know, like we have things like insurance contracts, we have legal contracts, we have cybersecurity, we have um, security systems and stuff like that, but they're all reacting to something that's just happened, right? And so ultimately, the, the best form of protection that we want is the protection that comes from within ourselves, where we are strong we have a strong nervous system we have a strong mind we have uh, a strong immune system you know so no matter what we're subjected to <clears throat> we're able to keep that negativity at bay and not get ourselves uh, diminished or corrupted by that negativity. So the protection we're talking about is proactive protection from the inside out <clears throat> and so that is able to you know help people minimize problems and every leader wants to minimize their problems. And they want to maximize their possibilities and, and potential.
0: Referring to your book, what would you say? One of the the biggest lessons that you try and reinforce through through your book is. I, if if you don't want to give it away. I no, understand.
1: no. <laughs> no, I mean it's a great question. Uh, the the crux of the book is that. Ultimately, everything comes from this field of consciousness. Now, in in quantum physics, they call it the unified field, right? So, you know, in ter- it, I mean, I just want to relate it to, you know, be humble or, or being humbled, and the reason why people have to get humbled, uh, and, and negativity or sickness or whatever comes into their life, so that they, you know, basically come back to to what are the basics, what are the, what are the fundamentals. It's really about us being in tune with the laws of nature, natural law, right? Because do we make the sun come up? You know, do, do we make the sun set? No, there's, there's a dynamic of laws of nature that is allowing life to evolve in a very orderly and coherent way, right? <clears throat> and so this exists, you know, that's why as was a monk for so long because it's so charming to actually just allow yourself to be on that level of simplicity. Uh, and just being settled in your own consciousness because that's where all the intelligence ultimately comes from. So the more that we take time to connect to consciousness, then the more our subconscious is strengthened and the more our conscious mind is strengthened and then the better actions that we can take in the world and the better we can give to our world. So fundamentally, protection comes from that field of consciousness and the more that we take time to, to be connected to it, then the more our life will be protected, on the level of health, wealth, happiness relationships.
0: One thing that has really sparked my curiosity is your time as a monk. Yeah. And maybe what is, all right. So I, I have interviewed a couple of other people that have, uh, talked about living as a monk for a while and and through meditation kind of really being able to answer the question who am i mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah and so with that being the question that so many people struggle to answer mm-hmm. In your time as a monk, have you come up with who you are?
1: Yeah, there's, there's definitely two sides to that. Uh, the first side of it is realizing you're, you're not the body. You're not the, even your mind. You're not your thoughts, your feelings, because they all change. They all come and go, right? And so once you go beyond that, the surface level of yourself, you start to realize what, what you really are. And so, fundamentally, when you experience the depth of who you are, you realise that you're just innately uh, bliss consciousness. There's a bliss. There's an innate bliss there. That's always there. That's always has been there. Always will be there. And fundamentally, that's what we are. So fundamentally, we're here just to experience that bliss and expand on that bliss, right? And and live in a very healthy, blissful reality, right? Now, negativity is there to kind of Keep us on track and make sure that we're realizing that that is our essential nature, right? That is our true nature. Our nature is not to come here and suffer, right? Our nature is to come here and be established and experiencing our essential nature, which is bliss. So that's on a, a very, we, we can call it a, a macro level, right? That's fundamentally who we well. are. Now, our individuality, that everyone is comprised of different intelligences. We're all uniquely created with unique intelligences and unique expressions. And so the more that we become connected to that primary value of ourself, which is our bliss consciousness, then the more we just amplify this individuality of who we are, right? And what sort of talents that we have and, and how we express ourselves. So there's being connected to your existence, which is that pure joy of, Of just being a human being and then there's the expression of that existence which comes out in different individual ways whether we're a leader of a company whether we're a musician whether we're an athlete you know we have these different laws of nature that we're we're structured in a unique way because we play a role in evolving the creation through ourselves right and through serving the world you bring a unique contribution and intelligence to the world which I don't and vice versa and, and everyone else you know if they're really being their essential nature they're, they're awake fulfilled blissful nature then they're also bringing their full intelligence to the world as well so i think it's it's a twofold process of of realizing your cosmic nature your unbounded nature and then realizing who you are on the boundaries like for my for myself i know that <clears throat> you know and you can kind of get signposts along the way like I remember my father telling me, "I'm uh, I'm the eldest of a family of four. I have a twin sister and a younger brother, younger sister. And I was always the one in the family that, you know, when I saw trouble, I would like put myself in in front of my siblings to in order to protect them, right? And so I'd, I've always had that value of wanting to protect, you know, and making sure that you know negativity doesn't bring harm to." to others and myself. So, and I, I've since subsequently learned out that, that my name Ramon actually means uh, wise protector. And so you kind of get signals along the way about what your individuality is about. And sometimes it's like, you think you're like, I'm gonna be like this, but then you realize, oh no, but my laws of nature are actually like this, and this is how I'm meant to serve. You know, like I had a lot of, you know, strong ego growing up, like most teenagers, and wanted to be an investment banker, you know, I wanted to really, you know, create a lot of wealth myself and my family. And, you know, through a series of events, you know, and and burning out as an athlete, I realized that wasn't so important. But ironically, I'm now serving listed CEOs who deal a lot with investment bankers and in the market and stuff like that. And I'm playing my role that way in in that market and that creation. So I think, you know, life unfolds, you know, I I never expected to be doing the type of work that I am doing today. You know, I, first of all, I want to be a professional athlete. I want to be an international athlete. Um, That reality folded for me um, for whatever reason. Uh, But it led me to another reality of, of how I was more designed to serve in this world. And I'm I'm still very athletic and I enjoy athletics, but, you know, I'm not getting paid for it. But I am getting paid to serve leaders and giving them this this value of knowledge and consciousness and and protection.
0: I'd like to digress for just a a minute. When, When you lost that, well, when... When you had the opportunity to be an Olympic athlete and and it was clear to you that being a an international athlete was not going yeah. to happen for you. Yeah. I mean, we've all been there. That that feeling of defeat and just lost, you lost yeah. your purpose. What yeah. you thought was your purpose. Exactly. Yeah. And would you say that? It was going to the monastery that helped you get back on track.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, I was kind of in some ways, you know we can say destined to have that experience either way. I mean there, there's a there's a science and, and a knowledge we can actually see the time cycles in your life where certain activities are going to be supported. And then there's going to be changes. So I know, you know, based on this, this knowledge and understanding that, that we have, that there's the cycle of my life up until the age of 20 where I was very supported to be athletic, that I had a lot of vehement energy, you know? And once I hit 20, those kind of, let's say that energy, that those laws of nature's dissolved and it evolved into another, another cycle of my life. And that cycle of my life was for 16 years was basically to be more inward, to be more based on knowledge and, and gaining knowledge and, and developing my, my consciousness and, and, and a potential. And so, and then when I hit 36, there was another cycle that hit, hit my life. And that was for me to go back into the world and integrate the spirituality that I'd gained into the material world, right? Because ultimately you want to be living 200% of life, meaning Hundred percent inner fulfillment and hundred percent outer achievement and success and fulfillment. And so, you know, that that's a lot of what we're doing is we're helping these leaders who are very much engaged in the outer material achievement side of life, but we're also integrating a spirituality in there and in development so that they're protected in their process, so they actually enjoy that process, so that they don't feel so much the the pressure and stress of being in that that great position of responsibility. And we had a client this year who just end of last year, year, closed a 1 million, almost $1.1 billion merger acquisition. And it was a great success for him and his team. And he he reached out the day after they closed the deal and he said, guys, this has just happened. I wanna really thank you guys for, you know, making me feel more comfortable in the role. And, you know, allowing me to to really see what was the best thing to do, because earlier in the year, he had another opportunity to do a similar deal, but it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right kind of relationship to be having. They weren't cooperating as easy as as he wanted them to. <clears throat> his team was, you know, part of his team was telling him, you know, let's just hang in there and let's let's counter offer and, and, and come with a better offer. And he said, no, nah, I think we just need to let this one go. And he trusted that, and then a, a, another deal showed up. That was more congenial, you know. It's the right, right timing. they were more cooperative, and, and the right price was, was struck, and, and the deal happened. So you know, it's it's really about you know that leader integrating their their inner inner selves and their inner knowingness with what's going on in their environment and their marketplace.
0: So would you say that your book? <laughs> kind of walks people through the process that you use with these business leaders?
1: Yes, yes. So there's basically six components to the science of achievement. The first component is purification. And we always say to our, our leaders, purification leads to progress, right? Sometimes things aren't happening or progressing what we like because something needs to be purified. There's some resistance, there's some stress, there's some anxiousness, there's some vice, there's something that needs to be purified because often problems when we have problems come up, the reflex is to go, well, what's the solution? And that and that you can come up with a solution, but it may not be the right solution. It may be just a band-aid solution. So we go, okay, problem comes up. What do we need to purify here, first of all? You know, what is this? There's some something going on in, in some relationship. There's something going on in you that's you know that's creating this problem in the first place. And so once you're able to identify that and purify that and learn the lesson, and once you learn the lesson and you, you purify what needs to be purified, then you're more likely to come up with the right solution or the right solution is gonna be spontaneously revealed to you. So that's the, that's the first thing we like to, to address with, with clients. The second thing is like, okay, how can we have more coherence here? What needs to be more unified You know, in yourself, in your environment with your people there needs to be more coherence because it's through coherence that things can can progress you know ultimately you know a leader has to be able to create simplicity they have to be able to be truthful and they have to be able to unify things and people so <clears throat> and that's what coherence does in the brain when we have a coherent functioning brain we, we are in a state of simplicity we're, we're in tune with the truth we're able to uh really see what needs to be unified and, and more connected. And then the next the next stage is uh, being in that leadership state. So the leadership state means you're awake and alert to what the truth is, what the threats are that need to be minimized or neutralized and what are the, the opportunities that are arising in, in front of you. So that, that's a leadership state. And then the leadership state allows and supports you having that capacity, you know? And our top client right now, he, he loves this word capacity because what it means to him is that he can handle anything. Do I have the capacity to handle this deal to make this deal happy? Do I have the capacity to, to to purify this negativity that we've got going on with one of our CEOs, you know? And because the last thing a leader wants is to feel uncomfortable and and nervous and unsure and fearful in their role, right? But when they have a big container, um, and what I mean by that is, I think the best way to describe this through an analogy. So, if I, Dave, if I take a, a teaspoon of salt and I pour it into a glass of water, are you going to taste that salt? Yes. Most likely, right? Yeah. So, if I take another teaspoon of salt and I go and I throw it into a huge lake, are you likely to taste that salt? No. No. Okay. So, the more your capacity is, is developed, the less affected. You are by things, right? And you and I know that we're really in control of our life when we're not so affected by people or circumstances that that we're dealing with, right? And so when we're in that, it's not that we don't care, we're not empathetic, but we're just not affected. We're just not overshadowed by what's going on, right? That means that's a great sign we have great capacity to, to deal with the situation, right? But when you feel overwhelmed, you feel pinched, you feel fearful, you feel anxious, that's a sign that your capacity is not right there to deal with the situation right now. So it's probably better to wait, you know, go back, develop some more capacity, expand your consciousness, and then come back to the, to the problem that you're dealing with or or the opportunity. And so out of this capacity, you know, you have more, more ability to have spontaneous right action. You just know what to do. It's just spontaneous thought action in the moment. You know, you know what to say, you know, you know who to connect with and, And things unfold right and through the more spontaneous actions that you you create and the giving that you do giving of your time your attention your love your uh, intelligence your money you know all the things that we can give you know giving you know food whatever all this builds deserving power right because we don't we don't always get what we we want right but we certainly get what we deserve right so the more that we're doing spontaneous road action, the more we, we start to deserve more. We have good merit, we have good positive energy, and naturally opportunities, are good things, and fulfillment of desires starts to happen spontaneously. So, so one, one, one example of this with our clients is that, especially with our top client, it's like we give we we give them as much as we can, as much as we can, right? We try and over-deliver, right? Without overbear overbearing them. And in the last 2 years without us even asking they've given us a bonus
0: right
1: didn't even have to ask for the bonus it's like they felt so like that we've given so much to them that they felt well i got to give them a little bit back a little bit more back right and that's and that's how life should flow right if if things are just spontaneously being given back to you because you've given so much then that's a great sign you have great deserving power
0: i i can't wait to read your book uh and so, on that note, for those out there listening that are absolutely 100% like me, wanting to read your book, what's the best way for them to to get a copy of your book?
1: Sure, fantastic. Uh, so right now it's on uh, Amazon.com under the Science of Protection: How Leaders get an Unfair Advantage to Create Their Success and yeah, so you can grab a copy there either on the Kindle uh, format um, or on the paperback. I'm in the process of, of reading it into an audio book, so hopefully that'll be uh, available in the next couple of months. Put that up there. I know a lot of people like to listen uh, to books right now. So there, uh, and then you can also go to newmavericks.com, and you can actually take uh, what we call the PQ test, uh, your protection quotient. So you can work out through a series of about 30 questions where we actually go through some of these areas that we've just been talking about and diagnose where you're at those areas and determine what your PQ is, what your protection quotient is, that you can protect you know, what you're doing, you can protect yourself, you can make something happen, or you, there's some areas you need to look at, right? that'll, that'll give you more protection. Because right? there's no point in achieving something great and then something undermining that. right? We want protected progress and achievement, not just achievement that comes and goes.
0: And you said that's mavericks.com?
1: New new mavericks, yeah.
0: New All right. I will have uh, a link to your book and the link to your website in the show notes. Is there anything that we didn't cover that or maybe we did cover, but you want to re-emphasize for the listeners, something important um <clears throat> you'd like to share.
1: Uh, I think the the overall note is just being. Uh, if you are frustrated, and you know how sometimes you can be right about something, but you're also frustrated about something at the same frustrated about at the same time, is that you want to purify that frustration, right? Even if you are right, the frustration will actually cause you to block yourself and and block what you want to see happen, right? So that's why you know, really experiencing your essential nature, transcending, allowing, taking time to transcend uh, your mind and your emotions and get back to that field of of bliss consciousness um, will really help you purify the frustration. And then you'll, then life will respond to you better, you know, because you're not in that frustrated state, you know, no point being right and being frustrated, you know, (laughs) because the frustration is just going to block you from, from actually evolving right and it's, it's not our nature to be frustrated right so we had one experience of, of a client who had built a company uh, had significant clients like federal express mcdonald's and brought in a vc to help you know invest in the company and grow the, the company even more ended up having a huge conflict with his vc about the direction the strategy of the company and it really took him away from his, his innate nature, from his innate abilities. And we pointed this out to him. We said, Phil, this is, this is not who you are, right? You're, you're, you're fighting battles. You really don't need to be fighting. And so he thought about this for a while. And he said, you know, you just need to get back to who you are. And he realized, well, who he was from an individual level was a creative entrepreneur. And he actually realized by letting go of the frustrating, letting go of the conflict, and getting back to who he was, he realized, oh, I can actually do this business, the same business in a better way. So he ended up leaving the business that he founded. I like the whole Steve Jobs story. Started another company. He got his, his money out of the, the company that he founded. Started this new company. Within a few years, he was outperforming his own company and doing things in a better way. And this is because he let go of the frustration. He let go of the fight. He got back to who he was. Uh, started Creating as the creative entrepreneur that he is, and you know, his success has just gone to another level.
0: Now, in your book, do you do you talk about how to purify yourself?
1: Yeah, there's uh, there's some uh, on an intellectual level, yes. There's some intellectual understanding because you have to purify the intellect also, uh, the understanding value of things, right? And then. The the purification, that they're letting go of stresses and vices and things like that, that comes from you doing the meditation, right? Now there's three different types of meditation out there. There's the focused attention meditation, where you focus on something either inside yourself, uh, something outside of yourself. And this is very useful for strengthening your ability to focus and concentrate. The only problem with that is that keeps the mind on a relatively surface level of thinking, right? It's quite limited. So it has its value, but it has its limitation also. The next type of meditation you'll see out there is open monitoring or self-monitoring meditation. So in these types of meditation, you're monitoring your heart rate, breath rate, maybe your thoughts and feelings, maybe something going on in your body, maybe someone's guided words, maybe music, sound, something like that. Now, the value of this is it helps the ability to process and contemplate. And it, And it's useful. That is very useful, but it still doesn't allow the mind to really fully settle down and become in its most coherent state because the mind is still active and doing something or or metabolizing something. Uh, And in that state, it it activates what they call the the beta frequency in the brain. So the gamma frequency in the brain, the beta frequency, they're very alert, excited frequencies in our brain. Now they're very necessary to function in the world, but they, sometimes when they're too activated, that's when we feel agitated and we feel stressed and stuff like that. So gammas is when we focus, very alert frequency. Uh, beta is, is, is also a very alert frequency where we're processing what we're focusing on. And then there's the, the last type of meditation is called or category of meditation. It's called automatic self-transcending techniques. Now these are techniques that go beyond the technique itself, and that's actually the definition of a good technique. A technique is just a vehicle to get you to an experience, right? It shouldn't. It's not the part. It's not the goal. It's the part. It's the the vehicle. So these techniques allow the mind to more fully settle down, beyond the conscious mind, beyond the subconscious mind, to get to that settled state, pure awareness, pure consciousness, and from there you're in tune with the thought the right thought at the right time at the source at that source of thinking right and a, a thought at the source is much more powerful than it's, when it's on the surface so these techniques uh allow the mind to transcend and settle down and it activates more of this global alpha coherence in the brain and there's two techniques that have been shown to do this uh in, in a very scientific validated way uh, one is that one of the qigong techniques and the other one is tm transcendental meditation So TM, the difference between the the Qigong and the TM technique is that they've found that there's a lot lot of global alpha and people have been practicing this Qigong technique for a number of years. But right from the first time one does the TM technique because it's so simple, natural, and effortless, there's an activation of the alpha coherence. Uh, And that's because the technique is structured in such a way it uses the nature of the mind to want to go to the field of greatest charm right? Our mind is always looking for the next charming thing, right? Either outside of ourselves, but outside of ourselves, it's always going to change. It comes and goes, the senses are just the field of, of the coexistence of opposites, pleasure and pain, gain and loss, you know, victory and defeat, you know, it's just a, a pair of opposites. It's always changing through the senses. So we can't really find that complete charm out there. We can get tastes of it, but it doesn't last. The real greatest charm comes from the mind going to the field, uh, the source of, of charm, right? Which is that field of bliss, which is inside of us. It's always going to be there. So the more that you have this experience of that, and the first time I actually transcended, it was so profound that I literally walked out of that first meditation experience feeling like I was walking on the clouds. Now I wasn't walking on the clouds, but the contrast of it between where I thought relaxation was, I thought I was a pretty relaxed, chill sort of person to really experience that next level of relaxed settledness. It was just so profound, you know, and my physiology felt so much lighter having that experience. So, you know, allowing yourself that experience, ideally, you know, with the TM technique, it's 20 minutes twice a day to get maximum benefit. But obviously, you know, sometimes you can't, you can't. But if you can get it at least once a day, then you're going to find that your brain starts to have a different experience because every experience that we give ourselves, either externally or internally, it's, it changes the structure of our brain. When we go to sleep at night, the brain starts to metabolize all that experience, starts to rewire the neurons. So if you're giving your brain a very holistic, settled, coherent experience, then it starts to stabilize in that state. So you don't actually have to meditate for the rest of your life. Because eventually, once that, that final stress is gone, then your brain is, is established. Even with your eyes open, your brain has, has stabilized that functioning. And that's what we call you know living in, in an enlightened state. You are stabilized in that state. You're established in that reality. And you can't go back. Right? So I still meditate because I don't feel I'm fully enlightened yet. I still keep going you know, just to make sure. I had, I did, you know, I had a, a great experience doing 10 years. Of, you don't have to do 10 years of full-time meditating to get there. You can, you can get to it right away. Um, but it's just a matter of, of stabilizing it by continually giving your brain that experience of, of being in a settled, coherent, alert, and awake state.
0: you talk about methods of transcendental meditation in your book?
1: Uh, yeah, there's some descriptions and some neuroscience around that for sure. But you can go to tm.org. And you'll, you'll see a lot of uh, information and research. And, you know, Jerry Seinfeld talking about it and Oprah and Ellen, they've all learned TM and their teams have learned TM
0: because of
1: the validation of the technique and the 600 scientific studies. And the fact, you know, they all say, this is the most easiest effortless meditation that I've, that I've experienced. And it gives them a greater depth and breadth of, of benefits and experiences.
0: Ramon, I, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on. I gained so much from this. Um, you blew my mind several times. So I- well,
1: thank you for the opportunity. And uh, I love what you're doing in the leadership space. And, uh, I think you're, you're a powerful force of of good and in, in making leadership to its highest value. Um, because I think, you know, what we've been through in this pandemic shows that, you know, we need more strong leaders in this world and, I think America, you know, even though I'm originally from New Zealand, you know, I, I basically see America as the most creative country in the world. And, you know, just as a guesstimate, I think 70% of the world is, is looking to America for leadership. And if we can get it right, then I think the world's in good hands. And But if we don't, if we, we're not displaying the leadership that we need to, then, you know, the, we, the rest of the world can also suffer as well. But ultimately, you know, we want everyone to develop that, that leadership state and that mindset of of being a leader in their life and develop themselves so that they, they are great leaders and whether it's of a household or a team or organization uh, or just of themselves, you know, we want everyone to feel like they're, they're a great leader in life. So I, th- I think you're contributing to that in a great way. Thank you very
0: much. Well, I don't know, <laughs> I'm so blown away right now. Uh, here, let me. yes again thank you very much ramon
1: yeah no, it's, it's been fun i mean i love i love how you uh really want to go deep you know i i think there's a lot of uh i mean one of the great qualities I just picked up about you is like your spirit of inquiry is just phenomenal you know and i think there's many people that have that depth of spirit of inquiry and, and obviously you know it's a great thing to have and and you're bringing out you know even for me you're bringing out stuff that you know has has been in me and it's it's a great thing to experience this interaction with you
0: thank you for listening to this episode of from embers to excellence please like and subscribe to my youtube channel follow me on your favorite podcast platform and visit hollenbachleadership.com for additional content my goal is and always will be to add value to as many people as possible so if i can be of any assistance to you or someone you know Please connect with me via email or on one of my social media accounts, linked on the homepage of my website. Remember, our failures don't define us unless we let them, and the only true measure of a leader is the success of their team.